0: And welcome back to another bonus episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster and giant mech media. Uh, I am your host, Travis, and uh, my normal co-host is not here this week because this is a bonus episode we wanted to put out. It's kind of a sequel to the bonus episode that we put out a couple of weeks ago where michael interviewed a writer and poet Um, but i am getting a chance to sit down and talk to a couple of awesome writers the writers of a fantastic comic i read it and just fell in love with it it's called mechaton we have dalton k shannon and wells thompson hello hello how are you guys doing doing?
1: i'm fantastic just fantastic yes on this lovely monday clear skies where i'm at anyway
2: awesome i've got snow on the ground but other than that yeah clear skies (laughs) oh
0: snow i miss snow
2: (laughs) yeah i know last week it was 70 degrees oh it's ridiculous in arkansas oh yeah Yeah, i live in tennessee but yeah same thing I live in
0: Mississippi in the very southern southern part of Mississippi so (laughs) oh like Hattiesburg or south of Hattiesburg
2: oh I am so it just rains constantly yeah it's it's just (laughs) hot and rains constantly there gotcha hot
0: rainy uh, 70 degrees most of the time in the winter time mm-hmm. it finally got cold last night it was like 35 degrees and i was like wow we're finally getting our cup- first couple of days of winter and it's gone already okay
2: <laughs> and it's gone
0: that's too south <laughs> too south mm-hmm. yeah but I, I lived in Minnesota for a year, so I got used to the snow for about a year, and then I moved back down here to Mississippi. I'm like, I kind of miss the snow. I want to be back up north where it snows. <laughs> yeah, what a
2: culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Jeez.
1: yeah. We're about to move up to Green Bay with my wife, and uh, that's going to be quite the culture shock as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. It Going from <laughs> not having any snow to going up to six feet of snow yeah it it, it's a shock and i had to walk to the bus stop to go to school (laughs) because i was in high school at the time and i was like i don't know if i want to walk out in this i I learned very quickly (laughs) i didn't have the right shoes for walking in the snow (laughs) oh no oh no (laughs) <laughs> but we are not here to talk about the weather. um uh, we are actually here to talk about not no no, no, no this podcast can be boring <laughs> sometimes, but I think spending an hour talking about the weather might be a little too much even for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, we could have like kaiju
1: influenced weather that happens in giant monster movies all the time,
0: oh, yeah. yeah radioactive but,
2: snows that'd be great
0: the the giant storm that that Ghidorah created in king of the monsters from legendary oh, yes <laughs> i'm thinking of uh final
1: wars what was it monster x descended and like the whole planet just went under this this massive storm
0: yeah yeah oh man i i need to i my friend was watching final wars for uh new year's like he was watching it uh to finish off the year, and I was like, "Man, that's what I should have done to celebrate New Year's." <laughs> Watch Final Wars. What a way to
1: ring! It, what a way to to ring in the new year than with Godzilla: Final Wars, the most bonkers anime style Godzilla movie of all time. Exactly. Which is saying something, considering they had three anime movies that were not near as cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the three anime movies, nowhere near as anime-ish as <laughs> the, the live action yes. Final Wars. <laughs> but uh yeah we are here to talk about a comic book that you guys have created called mechaton it is a very fantastic book and uh yeah i'm just gonna let you guys introduce this comic and kind of give us a little overview of what it's about how it got started all that kind of stuff
2: yeah, uh, Mechaton is a rule of cool sci-fi action comic about a uh, glove that falls from space, crashes into the earth, and anything it punches turns into a robot. So that could be a hot dog stand in the first issue, or a house, or escalate to all sorts of things. We mm. have a lot of fun stuff in mind, but punch right around the
1: same- <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh right around the same time giant uh mutated insects start terrorizing the city and it's up to the two ding-dongs that find it to uh put their powers to use and try and save the day
0: yeah yeah it, it ha- that is a great summation of of this book i i read i've, I've had
2: practice <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you
0: tell he was practicing the pitch line yeah <laughs> I read it last night. I reread it last night. I should say, because um, I have the printed copy here, and I, I just, I was like, man, I just really, it, this book is so far up my alley. You guys don't even know. <laughs> like, from the moment that
1: well, I, I saw it, I would hope it, that someone who runs a podcast about kaiju, I was hoping it would be right up your alley. Because if it wasn't up your alley, I don't know what I'm doing. And with
2: we my have life. missed the mark. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's like no, even though I love mechs and I love monsters and I love action, I love comic books. This this comic book's not really for me. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'll get out of the game now. <laughs> no, it is great. So, to kind of introduce yourselves and kind of see where where what you guys are bringing to this comic book. I wanted to ask you, um, what is your experience with like giant monsters? mechs all this stuff how did you kind of get into this and become fans well uh i guess
1: the logical place to start is birth um i don't remember (laughs) i don't i I honestly I, i i honestly can't remember a time that i wasn't aware of godzilla like that has always pervaded my youth and i had old vhs copies of terrible monster movies that i would watch on repeat all the time Uh, And uh, thankfully, question mark, uh, Ultraman Tiga was also airing on Fox Kids at the time. So I was eating that up like it. I don't know. It's always been Toku and giant robots. It's always been a part of my life. And I finally we finally have an avenue that uh, I can talk about it and not be weird and not be the one that everyone raises an eyebrow at because I can finally talk about my love of Toku and giant
0: monsters and everything in between. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle choice. Yeah, I think you. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head on why I created this podcast. Of like, yeah, I can finally talk about this <laughs> stuff, and people won't think I'm weird, or at least the people I'm talking to won't think I'm weird. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. All things considered, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh,
2: I personally like. I remember as a kid, I like. I don't remember actually watching Power Rangers ever. But I definitely did because I had like Power Rangers costumes and like a bunch of toys and stuff. So it it definitely entered my life at some point, even if I remember literally none of it. Uh, But I sort of came about this in a roundabout way, I guess. Like I love the giant monster aspects from like other genres like cosmic horror. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really enjoy uh, that kind of like you know giant unknowable uh terror uh and that sort of seeped into like the logical next step of doing a light-hearted uh family-friendly-ish version of that is kaiju uh along with just i you know, i generally enjoy some kaiju media i wouldn't call myself a fan if anything i'm a convert like dalton was just like this is what we're doing and i was like all right, yeah, that works. Uh, <laughs> so I can so. I can see you're passionate about it, and I I think it's uh I think it's you know pretty hype, all things considered. It's a cool concept, so let's do it.
0: Yeah. So so would I be wrong in saying that that Dalton kind of brought the the kaiju and mech side of things, and maybe you brought in the comic book side of things, or was there was it all <laughs> on Dalton's side?
2: <laughs> in fact, in fact, uh. Dalton was the one who kind of who brought me into comics in general. I was uh like I've written several short stories. I've written a novel. that was sort of the trajectory that my career was headed on oh, okay. and then uh, i met I met Dalton and we started, you know talking about stuff uh, and more and more, I was just like, I really want to work with this guy, and I think we you know our head is in the right place, and it we started working on comics. We started having success in that, uh, and he brought me into to the comic world. I think what I bring to the table is uh, meticulous plotting and uh, and character interactions and like just sort of uh, I don't know story growth. I guess not to say that uh, you know he doesn't right. know how to tell a story, but we we both bring very different things to the story and make it uh, a lot stronger as a result.
1: Wells keeps the wheels on the cart, and I make sure the cart is going as fast as possible.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it.
0: Yeah, Nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that analogy.
2: I remember we had an extended argument in another script that we've been writing for the last, like, six years. Uh, and it still comes up as an argument whether or not a submarine should explode when it runs into a giant squid. And there's, <laughs> like that that i think just encapsulates our our the heart of our opposing ethos is dalton <laughs> says yes it needs to explode because it's cool and it's cathartic and i'm like there is no page. there's no reason in the world why that submarine explodes and you know it and he's like but it's cool
0: <laughs> hey realism doesn't necessarily need to apply when you're dealing with comic book logic <laughs>
2: If Toby not always. Me anything. <laughs> sometimes not always. Yeah.
0: There's a time and in place for every explosion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Star Wars <laughs> had the Death Star explode with sound and everything in space, so you know. <laughs> sometimes sometimes the 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 flashiness of it adds to the story <clears> more <throat> than the realism this is true i'm i'm on dalton's side if you can't tell
2: you're on dalton's <laughs> side yeah no well you haven't like you a Twitter poll. i was gonna say i think you need the context of the story to understand why it's a bad idea but <laughs> well i yeah, <laughs> i i made other concessions he got some cool stuff in that comic that i didn't necess- i wasn't necessarily on board with at first don't worry it's a give and take is what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah yeah and uh there's plenty of cool moments and explosions in mechaton uh that oh, Wells is more than happy to just be like
0: yeah let it happen
2: yeah because yeah this is the kind of comic that needs those moments
0: mm-hmm. definitely and, and talking about mechaton specifically now I, I i really enjoyed reading it like i said i reread it last night just to kind of refresh myself Thank on you. it and, and remind myself and it's really a fantastic read What were some of your inspirations for this book in particular?
2: Um,
0: Well, every
1: every uh, giant robot show under the sun, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Toku uh, as a in general has always been a huge inspiration. But we always like there's just that that cool visual of like one punch and Mm -hmm. it turns. It, it actualizes everything like that. Uh, it really started with the glove and then the story was kind of built around the glove. Um, and Wells brought in a whole lot of like the, the theming that was built around that. And, um, and we started talking about the possibilities of what the glove can do. Uh, and it, it, all of those influences stem from just this desire to like actualize passion i guess like like that that all of that stuff like from toku to to anime to superheroes and comic books it's all in this and i i don't know i i like to think the influences are right there on the the cover and kind of like bleed into the pages like you almost come away with your fingers a little dirty from how uh (laughs) how soaked they are
2: (laughs) yeah i think like obvious there were obvious uh Points of reference like *Gurren Lagann* uh, mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. Dal- is like Dalton's favorite show of all time, and I think that that moment where uh, I, I forget everyone's name in that show, but where the guy with the glasses stands oh, up yeah. and declares himself, yeah, and declares himself a paragon of masculinity, is like th- <laughs> I think Dalton's been chasing that high as a writer ever since, <laughs> just trying to capture that moment. Uh, for me, it was it, this. Is a little bit my love letter to like Scott Pilgrim, um, Mm -hmm, which was the, that was like the comic that got me into comics. It was also the movie that got me into movies. Uh, Like that, that one bit of media has like had such a big impact on, on my own personal tastes and uh, like going forward ever since in 2010. Just yeah. And it's funny
0: you say uh, Scott Pilgrim, because I do... And I know, I know, uh, I don't know how involved you guys were with the actual art process of creating the characters and stuff, or how much you let your uh, artists kind of make those decisions. But I did get a very Brian O'Malley kind
2: of feel to the art Mm -hmm. style.
1: Yeah, Fernando is
0: fantastic.
2: Yeah, Fernando, you can tell, like, he didn't come out of a vacuum or anything, but there is, I haven't really seen anything that looks exactly like his work which is cool i i love that yeah um but yeah yeah no there's definitely a little bit of like that um like just a touch of that manga influence that gives Mm -hmm. it a lot of flavor
1: it's that it's manga anime with like a a pop punk drive and energy behind it which i am all about
0: yeah for sure i was um as i was reading it and 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 like wells like you said that uh and really it's true of any story there's that, that they're not created in a vacuum. So of course you're going to have your influences uh, you know, very upfront there. You're going to see sometimes they're a little more hidden, mm-hmm. but this is definitely like, like you guys said is dripping with your influences. And so as I was reading it and not to say that you guys are, are stealing any ideas or anything, just to sh- the influences that I can see in it as I'm reading it, it's definitely got like a Megas XLR feel to it. Um, oh yeah
2: what's funny is i uh like i forgot that that show existed we made this comic we got i think all the way to either the end of like the campaign or as we were uh you know starting to distribute it and someone was like yeah this reminds me a lot of megas xlr and in and like the floodgates opened and i remembered everything (laughs) about that show and i was like how did i not see that this is the same thing?"
0: Yeah, well, it, it, but it shows how influential <laughs> that can be, that it's like subconsciously kind of seeping into your writing and, your, and the story. Uh, I also got a lot yeah. of like, uh, and I guess, I guess I'm getting a lot of Cartoon Network vibes from it because I, I was thinking Megas XLR, <laughs> Generator X. Uh, I was yeah. like, I was picking up a lot of these cartoon old, old not old, but like mid 2000s, early 2000s, Cartoon Network vibes from it. Yeah, when I, uh, they
2: tell me to put down my mother's maiden name for the security question on the bank I usually put Cartoon Network uh, <laughs> that's the extent to which I was raised by that particular channel uh.
1: I, uh, I know a lot of creators who are very subtle with their influences and they're
0: all cowards you have to wear it on your sleeve no, totally and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that like, it, it really it, it like We said no story is created in a vacuum, and I I am a firm believer that art inspires art. So taking stories Mm -hmm. that already existed, taking art and using that as a jumping off point, using that as an inspiration to create something new and exciting. 100%. Yeah, and 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 you guys did that definitely did that. So so I feel the inspirations there. Like I said, Generator X and Megas XLR. I definitely feel the the Scott Pilgrim vibes in there. I feel I I definitely when you said Gurren Lagann, I was like, oh yeah, I can see that because I can. <laughs> I I've only read the first issue so far, but I can already imagine. Just how Gurren Lagann just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It like starts off with a <laughs> tiny robot, and then it gets a bigger robot, and then the whole planet is a robot, and then the whole mm-hmm. galaxy is a robot. And it's just like, yeah, I can see where this story is kind of leading in that direction. It kind of starts off as a spoiler, hey, hey, spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys already mentioned how like it starts off in this first issue as a, <laughs> as a hot dog cart, and then you get a house, and so I'm I'm excited to see. Where you go and how you build and get bigger and bigger.
2: Yeah, that's definitely one of the exciting things, and one of the things we're trying to keep a little bit loose, like moving forward. Mm-hmm. We want that spontaneity of like, well, what in this situation would make the best mech? What's around? What can he, you know, cobble together? Uh, I, I think that's that's always fun. I don't, I never like to too rigidly, uh, you know structure something that in its very core is meant to be very free and, uh, open and sort of, uh, you know, wants to be experiential, wants to be spontaneous. Uh, yeah. Went... And we
1: have to put Fernando through his paces. Like he's, he <laughs> has to every robot under the sun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do worry constantly in all of our projects. So like, are we putting too much on our artists? Like we are asking a lot of them. <laughs> Uh, And so far, they've really, you know, we haven't had any terrible experiences with with artists being like, God, you're asking way too much of me. It's like, no, they (laughs) love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of them will rise to the challenge. That's great. Oh, yeah. So when I was reading it again last night, I noticed that the tone here and and we talked about inspiration, but the tone in this book seems very family friendly. Is that? something that you guys planned ahead of time or was it just something that came about naturally how did you guys come to the tone that's in the book
2: it's definitely a conscious effort
0: yeah Uh,
1: there's always been about family
2: yeah it's sort of just the subject matter lent itself to it Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of factors we could have definitely we could have leaned a little bit more heavily into like you know being a young adult made it a little bit more crass and uh just sort of uh, uh, played to an older audience, but uh, the themes that were present and the sort of way that the story was headed felt a lot more all ages to us. And the other part of that equation being uh, we do have other books uh, that we're planning on making and that we have made that do have a more adult bent to them. So it felt nice to have that variety in there uh, so that, we could introduce, you know, if if a kid approaches us at the booth, we can very calmly hand him Mechaton without thinking. oh, the parents are going to kill us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's Which, nice. You know,
2: when when you when your other properties are like a horror anthology, and uh, and and so, coming soon, Frankenstein kills the universe. Essentially, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> not really. Uh, that's that's that lean that bends itself to a particular audience that uh, that we might be missing otherwise. So it helps. We get typecast, man. I mean, and hey, maybe leaning into one specific audience is the better call. But we like uh, you know having something for everyone. So no, I, I totally totally
0: see where you're coming from with that, and I love uh, all ages books. Um, when I'm reading my comics, I, I tend to even though you know I'm a thirty something year old man now i still lean Mm -hmm. more towards the the uh, all ages books because it just uh, for some reason they seem to resonate with me in their style and in their tones and their characterizations more than some of the more adult oriented books because i'm just i'm not a person who really likes a lot of gory violence in my media Mm -hmm. so i tend to lean towards more uh, all ages stuff um, but that's not to say that yep. there's not really a lot of depth there. In fact, when I was reading Mechaton, I did notice that there was some, some depth, even in this fir- just in this first issue, there was some depth of, of uh, real life kind of peeking through all the kind of sci-fi craziness um not Mm -hmm. to spoil too much from the book because well i can't really spoil that much i only have the first issue Um, but but uh (laughs) some of the characters are dealing with real world problems not having enough money not having uh a job losing their job things like that um so with that in mind i wanted to ask did you guys plan on putting those kind of more realistic themes in there? And what other challenges along those lines are you planning for the future for these characters?
2: Uh, I think the first like draft or two of Mechaton uh, that was not present. Mm-hmm. Uh, it moved a lot. Like the story moved a lot quicker. Uh, there wasn't nearly as much time to sort of develop those those sort of human problems within the uh, group. Uh, and to me, it felt a lot less satisfying because of that. So when I, uh, took the reins on, on the, you know, the, the newest draft, which is kind of what we see now, uh, that was something that I, I moved to the forefront was I wanted people to be facing real world problems and sort of have to deal with them both collaboratively and, and, you know, have small failures out of them and, uh that not to necessarily be the main driver behind the book, but uh allow that to add stakes and, and humanize the characters a bit, make them feel a lot more like, yeah, this is what I would do in this situation, rather than just operating purely on the level of, oh, this is cool. Right. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But right. yeah, but, some problems
1: uh, you can uh punch away with a giant robot and some you can't, and they're both worth exploring and they're both fascinating.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and going uh, back to that Cartoon Network kind of influence. I mean, it's more—it's a more modern show, but I always think of Steven Universe and how Steven Universe is a show that's obviously meant for young kids. But then when you stop and look at some of the things that they that the characters have to deal with—loss of loved ones and and coming out from the under the shadow of your parents and dealing with you know your heroes not being who you expected them to be it's like it's very adult themes Mm -hmm. and dealing with depression and things like that and it's like and this is a kids show so i love how you guys have been able to interweave those kind of elements in here even though it's still a sci-fi action it's still fun it's still exciting you still have those elements of yeah these are realistic people and they're going to deal with real world problems
2: yeah yeah
1: all the best kids media I find and ki- by kids I mean really all ages uh, never talks down and they always uh, speak to the kid that's still inside you with and and still teaching a lesson at the same time like all the For worst sure. of it is is just like prattle and all the best of it is exciting and once it makes you remember what it was like to be a kid uh, without without blinders in a sense and that's what we're i think that's what we're trying to do with mechaton anyway i I want to think that's what we're doing
2: (laughs) for sure and then uh, on the opposite like from the kids perspective you like even even back then you could always tell when you were kind of being spoken down to yeah when you were being told like hey here's what you need to learn from this and whether you're a kid or you're an adult i i always prefer when sort of uh If you want to say the moral is is smuggled in to the story rather than explicitly, uh, you know, uh, just said to you. Uh, I know that's giving Dalton an aneurysm because a lot of my first draft uh, reads a little bit like that. But uh, (laughs) yeah,
1: no, we 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 iron that out. It's good. But that's (laughs) what a
2: first draft is for, right? So that you can make a second draft. Um, No, but I, I that's one of the things I like about Mechaton is it has. like people will pick it up because it looks cool and then uh my hope is that by the end of it they'll walk away and go oh wow i that i i felt emotions i didn't expect that
0: (laughs) yeah and and i think it was wells you were talking about earlier about the characterizations and the character interactions that's what i wanted to uh talk about Mm -hmm. um how has it been writing these character reactions or interactions? I mean, Um, because you have this really great foundation of the two main characters being siblings and kind of interacting in a way that siblings would, they kind of, they get on each other's nerves, but there's also that love that you can feel between them. How has that been? Uh, And and how have you approached that? I I guess I can say uh, what inspirations kind of brought you uh, or have you drawn when you're writing these character interactions like this? Do you have do you have siblings? Are you pulling from your own real life experiences or
2: or you well, know? yeah, we both do have brothers. I have older brothers. Dalton has a younger brother, uh, so we know what it's like to be you know in that sort of sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think I just needed like. A lot of the dialogue just comes from an outlet of things that I don't know how to say it other than like just the way people talk to each other in that uh, a lot of times people are uh, sort of playfully mean and and, and they're operating on the level of, of subtext and it helps a lot when you have that foundation of well they're related they've lived together forever they know each other inside and out so when they you know say mean things to each other there's an understanding there um other yeah. than that uh like th- it is somewhat informed as well by like the relationship i have with my wife don't read too much into that uh, but <laughs> no but just like you know we mm-hmm. the way we talk to each other and the fact that uh the other thing that's that's she is a little sister so i can watch the way she talks to her brother and also one thing that she carried from being a little sister is to this day she still likes to watch people play video games mm-hmm. like so she'll, she'll watch like a let's play like a long let's play of uh, majora's mask every year just as a you know, as a comfort thing And, uh, nine times out of 10, when it, when like she buys a game or she wants to play a game, what she's saying is, I want you to play the game and I want to watch you do it. We're actually playing (laughs) Resident Evil Village right now. So that's fun. Uh... (laughs)
0: That is something that speaks to me on a spiritual level, because I I didn't have siblings, but I definitely had cousins and friends who who were much better at playing games than I was. So I tended to just like, okay, here's the controller you just play. And and then even to this day, I don't play games as much as I just enjoy sitting and watching people play.
2: Right. And that was sort of the foundation of the relationship that I had in my head, uh, when I wanted to, like, there's a reason that we introduce, uh, Derek and, and Leah and Derek's playing a video game and Leah's pointing out, you know, who to shoot and, and how not to die. <laughs> right. Uh, she, you know, it's, it's that, uh, sort of backseat gamer mentality, uh, where they have each other's back and they get on each other's nerves. And, but they, at the end of the day, they kind of need each other.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like, uh, yeah. And, I mean, I was always writing it because, you know, me and my brother have these same interactions all the time. And uh, it was really cool to, like, turn that backseat gamer mentality into, like, an actual robot slugfest because now Leah gets to watch through her phone as Derek screws up and tries to make sure he doesn't get killed as she's that uh, that eye in the sky keeping him safe. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. See that backseat gamer thing, I never experienced because I was the older brother, so I've, I've never felt that. And it was really fascinating when Wells brought it to the table because I was I'd never thought of it. And exploring it with this in mind and with context has really strengthened the book and made the sibling connection even stronger.
0: Yeah, that you can definitely tell in this book that that sibling relationship is there, it feels real and. It, I, I felt like it came from a real place because it felt very realistic. So that's why I wanted to ask kind of your inspirations behind that, um, because there's there's plenty mm-hmm. of media out there where you'll have siblings and the siblings don't interact the way that siblings do. They and, yeah, and, that drives and, me crazy. Yeah, yeah. That,
2: the The number one thing that takes me out of a story is when someone like you need to introduce a couple of characters and they're a brother and sister. And so one will very obviously say something like little brother or bro or something like that. And it's, it just, it doesn't feel organic at all. It's like, right. I don't call my brother, you know, I don't, I don't call Turner and go, Hey brother. I go, Hey douchebag. What's up? Like, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm immediately going for the throat. Like,
1: yeah, There's always right. a level of playful ribbing going on. That's, uh, is really under, I won't even say underexplored; it's just not explored. Period. Uh, That needs to be there for siblings to feel like siblings.
0: Yeah, and and listeners to this podcast will have no idea what we're talking about when we're talking about playful meanness. Um, It's not like me and my (laughs) co-host are constantly tearing into each
2: other in fun ways. (laughs) I mean, that's just how a lot of people interact, like especially friends. You know some yeah. people they just that's the way they talk to other people in general and generally they're not fun to be around for very long but <laughs> uh but that is a mode of communication that i i don't feel like is extremely well explored uh which is weird because it it makes a lot of sense as a writer to to write people that way like you're just building conflict into the into the mm-hmm. patterns of speech it's not even difficult to derive things from that um but for some reason everyone talks like the same.
0: <laughs> yeah. One oh, thing
2: thanks. I I
0: noticed uh talking about the relationship between uh Leah and Derek, the the sibling relationship there is is it it's it's very different than you might get in some other kids programs because I I noticed that in a lot of kids programming they like to make the sibling relationship very antagonistic. And this is like antagonistic to a point but obviously they're they still work together and they still work well together, like you said, because they know each other so well. And I think that you guys in your writing found a great balance there between that just enough antagonistic, because like you said, that's just how people, some people interact with each other, but not going so far to be like the, the older sister is the bad guy of the of the story or or the the, the yeah, younger brother sure. is speaking the bad guy you
2: know yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: well that that kind of <laughs> speaking as an, go ahead i'm sorry
1: i, I would say i was just say, speaking as an older brother it's very it's a very real thing that you can love someone with all your heart while still hating their stupid
2: guts right. oh yeah for sure um <laughs> and and you know there is obviously uh a foundation where uh where some antagonism can come into play but the the heart of the story is definitely that sibling relationship mm-hmm. and the fact that they do love each other and they do bring out the best in each other and uh you know part of the fun that i have thinking about the future of the story is exploring you know what happens when some of those elements go away and how the characters are affected by that but uh but yeah no i i same as you i've you know i'm the youngest sibling uh so i always see you know really really antagonistic brother you know brother relationships or brother sister relationships and i'm like i mean kind of but not really (laughs)
0: Right. You know, it's like taking it's, it's, one. It's element more subtle than that. It's more nuanced than that. Right. Exactly. It's it's taking one element of a very complex relationship and just focusing on that one element. It's like, no, but relationships are more complicated than that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I did want to uh, just kind of ask you guys some questions about because I'm really fascinated and you guys can go into as much or as little detail as you want, because I, I you know, don't want to get into too personal with with how you guys work together, but but uh, I'm really fascinated. The answer is
2: yes. Dalton does have a body pillow.
0: <laughs> ah! Dalton
2: 100 hey, has a body pillow.
0: I have a friend who made a a Final Wars Gaigan body pillow that she is selling. Uh, that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Uh, what, what's what's the Etsy? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> okay. Uh, add to cart now. Uh, <laughs> oh,
2: okay. I'm sorry. I just had to.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's totally fine. Um, but no, I'm I am really fascinated by this collaborative uh, work that you guys have been doing. You know, because this is this is obviously a, a very collaborative piece. This isn't just one person's vision. Uh, so, how do you guys work together? And how did you guys work together when creating Mechaton specifically?
1: So basically it starts with an arena. Both of us enter. and One man so leaves. One <laughs> man leaves with the other's face. So that the one who wins drives the story, but also carries parts of the other with them.
2: Um, that's generally how we flip-flop, yeah. That's a, it's a horrifying and yet accurate metaphor. Um, yeah. hey, face-off is an underrated gem. oh god so uh yeah our uh our writing process kind of starts with one of us has an idea and the other says that's stupid and then the other says no i think i think it's actually kind of cool and then we fight about it for a little while and and if we agree that it's good uh then generally the person who had the idea will write the first draft uh it's not a hard rule but it it does happen like that quite a bit And then the other person will kind of read over it and go, okay, here's what I think needs to change. And they'll from scratch, write The second draft. The the submarine does
0: not explode. Uh, Here's my note. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, and then we just toss it back and forth and build on it and build on it until we get to a point where we go, okay, I think that, you know, maybe some dialogue change, you know, some adjustments to dialogue could happen, but I think this is really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we you know from that point just make minor tweaks and, and move forward with it but it's a kind of fully respecting the other's autonomy within the story uh up to a point point. and usually the person who starts it will have final say and be like okay well we're divided on this so i'm gonna lean this way sorry mm-hmm. uh and then the other person gets their chance to do it later um so i i typically take the reins on mechaton our next project is uh is a you know conan the barbarian style uh horror action uh blood fest and dalton is more than happy to take the reins on that one i know (laughs) so uh
1: A lot of the times it feels like we're both sitting at a pottery wheel trying to build up a vase and making minor adjustments as it goes. Sometimes one person will completely smush the vase back down to just putty and we have to build again. But uh, at the end of it, hopefully we have a vase that looks like a vase or maybe something that looks like a cup. Um, A lot of the times (laughs) it gets phallic, but uh, it eventually becomes a vase.
2: (laughs) No, it... And particularly with with Mechaton, it it, it got to a point where it was almost a little frustrating just because we had like somewhat different visions for the uh, the story. But what we found was that neither was entirely correct. And when we kind of made it together and and worked our, you know, our vision for the story together, it it was better than either of us individually making it. So Mm -hmm. uh, so it takes work but it is worth it um basic it's it's Creative like having a, like marriage it, yeah <laughs> a little like that i was gonna say it's it's like having an editor that will also jump in and take ownership yeah. um but and that is somewhat combative but also very like you know uh right. it's it's very healthy for the story yeah.
1: like a sibling relationship
2: yeah <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and 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 that's interesting because uh you know different people collaborate in different ways so i was really interested in in hearing uh how you guys work together and what your workflow was like when uh writing this Mm -hmm. book and writing other books um so you guys uh did used kickstarter to help help fund mechaton uh so i wanted to ask how was that experience and what has been your biggest takeaway? From getting to self-publish, essentially this this book, and creating this book
2: completely on your own, comics is hard. <laughs> That's my biggest takeaway. Comics <laughs> will break your heart, kid. Oh man, oh boy. Um, no, it's 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 a harrowing experience for sure. Uh, you know, crowdfunding is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no. Uh, but really rewarding and we found a wave of enthusiasm for the uh for the book uh both among people we know and people we had never met um you know we we gained uh a bit of a following and a bit of an audience uh through crowdfunding which was really satisfying uh it was as i said a lot of work and we made a lot of mistakes and uh our you know are hoping that we just do slightly better on the next one uh but i th- i mean it if nothing else it just teaches you how the business works um you know it's it's only us we have to hire all of the artists and letterers and and colorists and then print the thing ship the thing you know uh, i've i never thought i would have this intimate an understanding of the usps but Right,
1: uh, yeah, <laughs> no I, I, yeah, Kickstarter just seems like this uh personification of like that art truism where the art making the art is not the hard part, it's getting seen and getting mm. people to actually pay attention to the art you're making oh uh, yeah. and and Kickstarter is just that personified, and it it's been quite a uh quite a learning curve, honestly. And mm-hmm. you know, navigating the internet and social media in this new age of comics is like it, the old rules don't work anymore. And uh, right, here's here's how you you have to find your own way now. And Kickstarter allows that, but it's also still very hard.
2: Yeah, if you've ever listened to like, uh, you know, I don't know, Chris Claremont or or someone someone from that era of comic mm-hmm. book making, like describe how they got into the business it is such an alien thing now it's like well mm-hmm. you move to new york city and then you work as an intern at marvel for a little while and right then it's like what Wh- <laughs> how no that's <laughs> right. not how any of this works anymore right exactly
0: yeah and it is and it is refreshing sometimes to see actual established long-time comic book creators still kind of needing to go to the crowdfunding. Way to to fund their own books, and it's like you know, it kind of makes you feel a little bit mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm on the same level as like a as a as a Terry Moore, <laughs> as a, as a one, some of these other ones. Or I'm on, on the either.
2: I'm on the same level as a Scott Snyder, minus about a hundred thousand dollars in funding, but you know, yeah, other right. than that, we're yeah. basically the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, as someone who currently has a Kickstarter running for uh, for a magazine, because we uh, Part of the podcast, we were able to spin off uh, a kaiju based magazine that we do quarterly. Plug, plug, and, plug. Yeah, and we've been publishing. Uh everyone who <laughs> listens to this, if you if you're used to listening to the podcast, you know we talk about uh kaiju ramen a lot. We've been doing it for a year now, but we're we're doing our uh collected edition uh that's volume one that has all everything all together in one volume so that, that we've done so far. And yeah, the you forget that Kickstarter kickstarter is its own social media platform and and you have to treat it even though it it, it's it's a crowdfunding website and crowdfunding place it almost Mm -hmm. acts and behaves like a social media platform like a twitter or like a uh i don't know facebook or a tiktok (laughs) i don't i don't know a lot of social medias but it does it does kind of behave that way Mm -hmm. so navigating that I completely appreciate what you guys are saying about the challenges of of Kickstarter.
1: Oh, I had no idea there was a Kickstarter going for this magazine. I'm on the page right now. This is yeah. dope. I'm <laughs> you got you got a, you have somebody pledging right now as we speak.
2: <laughs> nice. Nothing else. This this interview has been a success in that regard. It is, <laughs> but now we're calling yeah. on your help in
1: January for Kickstarter number two.
2: Yeah, no, right. finding ways to reach out to people and make them even aware that you have a Kickstarter is is a massive battle, let mm-hmm. alone you know convincing them to click the pledge button. Right. Um,
0: yeah, And all like you can really do in that regard, in my
2: opinion, yeah. It's like there's for sure people who, who you know, are into the kinds of things that our, our comic is about. It's just finding a way to get it in front of them. And as far as I'm concerned, we've done everything we need to do to get them to like click the pledge button in that we have an incredible artist in Fernando uh and Meg is a great colorist and like and the letters pop and and like the page looks good uh the art style looks fantastic uh and I think we've done our job as writers to make the story engaging and give people what they want and also a little bit of what they need uh without realizing it um the the hard part is literally just getting people to the page right getting people to see it and get excited about it.
0: Yeah. And, and don't undersell the, the, the importance of the pitch because the art is fantastic. The, the colors and everything are great and the story itself is great, but what sold me on the Kickstarter and why I pledged and why I supported Mechaton was that pitch because when I read the pitch of it's a it's a, uh, family friendly kind uh, uh, all ages story about giant robots and, and fighting aliens and, and everything. I was like, okay, this, this sound, this is me. This is my aesthetic. I am going to click on this and support this as quick as possible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad it works then.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully our, uh, our trailer for the second
1: Kickstarter will draw just as many eyes, if not uh, raised eyebrows. Yeah, and yeah now
0: there's that, some stuff
2: going on in that train.
0: <laughs> so that leads into my next question. What can we look forward to in future installments of Mechaton? What do you guys have planned? And I know you don't want to reveal all of your secrets, but
2: yeah. give
0: us something. More robots.
2: Bigger, <laughs> I was going to say, bigger robots, meaner bugs, uh, family drama, uh, cooler characters. We've got uh in addition to the sibling relationship we also have uh a uh partner for for Leah who we alluded to in the first issue uh mm-hmm. they had a conversation over the phone but they have a really crazy aesthetic uh that's super fun to play around with uh and uh eventually an alien comes to earth and 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 possibly joins the team we'll see we'll see <laughs> uh nice but well, yeah, no, uh, things, if things feel crazy right now, then wait until like the end of the first arc and beyond because it only gets weirder and, and more insane from here.
1: Yeah. When flying saucers start raining down, uh, you're just going to have to punch them away.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: what Life's a game. Way? Stunt it.
0: well i am really excited to see what you guys have planned and what comes about in future installments of mechaton so for anybody who after listening to this uh is interested in checking out maybe the first issue of mechaton and is interested in supporting uh future installments where can they go to find all of that
2: Uh, The first thing you can do is, uh, if you just want Mechaton right now, uh, you don't want to worry about Kickstarter at the moment, Uh, you want to, you know, uh, get the first issue and uh, see if you're on board before you, like, commit to the second issue or anything like that, Uh, go to uh, gumroad.com, and I'm pretty sure you can look up Mechaton, you can find my page, which is app.gumroad.com slash wells, S-R-T W-E-L-L-S-S-R-T uh, That will take you to uh a page with all of, or with many options for Ekaton, a digital copy, a signed copy, a physical copy, and some stickers uh, and if you go on the site uh before the Kickstarter starts, which is on the 13th, uh, yes. January 13th Uh, and use the code too many twos number the number two is twice in there so number two many number two s uh you'll take two dollars off your or every uh copy so including the digital so it's only a dollar for the digital copy with that code um so if you want to if you want to get on you want to get on cheap uh that's your best bet uh if you're looking forward to number two uh it will be available on kickstarter on the 13th uh of january and run for the next month so it should be ending i think on the 15th of february or something like that mm-hmm. uh, somewhere around there uh, and there you will be able to buy the first uh issue as well um, other than that you can always find updates on our twitter uh, mm-hmm. on which my twitter is at wells t-h-o-m-p, T-H-O-M-P. And
1: Dalton uh, uh, K Shannon. And we uh between the two of us we get the marketing through. We try to anyway.
2: <laughs> God we try. Uh <laughs> but yeah, those are the best those are the best ways to to find it at the moment. Uh I may I might make a co uh coffee, Ko Fi, I don't know, one of those in the future. Uh and have that available as well. But at the moment, those are your best ways to get mechaton
0: Nice. Yeah. And I will make sure to include all of the links to where people can go and and check it out and everything in the description Mm -hmm. of this episode. And uh, for people who are listeners, longtime listeners of Kaiju Weekly, uh, if you follow us on social media, you will see us tweeting out about mechaton issue two when the kickstarter launches we will be sharing that around because i this is a project this is something that i truly am excited about i'm not just putting that on as because i have you guys on as a guest but i am actually truly excited to read more and see what happens in the story uh so definitely listeners yeah 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 and and definitely check it out that
2: that, that means a lot thank you i appreciate that
0: yeah absolutely uh and and if it
1: was manufactured
0: enthusiasm i'd still take it (laughs) yeah yeah uh, i mean uh, trust me as someone who has done the rounds of interviewing with people for my kickstarter i'm like yeah no i'll take the manufactured stuff but it it always means more when it's (laughs) genuine (laughs) oh absolutely for sure yeah and and this it, this really does uh, fit into the aesthetic of this podcast we've we've covered we cover mech stuff we we are in fact we mentioned Gurren Lagann. Gurren Logan is on our schedule to review on this podcast later on this year yeah uh every May hell we yeah. do a lot of mech themed things so we always have a Mecca May uh so that's we're mm-hmm. going to be covering a lot of mech things we we even covered a comic book uh I think two years ago we covered uh, met cadet you which was a boom studios great book yeah really fantastic book so and this uh, very cool have you
2: covered homesick pilots out of curiosity
0: not yet but i have that on my list i haven't read it yet but i do want to check it out
2: oh it's so good yeah i've I've heard good good
0: things about it i just haven't gotten around to it yet and i do want to check it out so, so yeah, so listeners to this podcast, this is something that I definitely believe fits into the aesthetic. If you like this podcast and you like some of the stuff that we do, you'll like Mechaton. Go check it out. Like we said, we'll put include all the links and everything in the description. And uh, yeah, I think that's all the questions Absolutely. I have. Is there anything that you guys want to sure. share? I'll 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 leave this last couple of minutes of this episode to you guys to share whatever you want to share
2: uh the i don't think we ever talked about the kaiju in the first uh issue so i'll just bring up it's a giant roach and yeah. he sprints onto the first onto the first page that he's actually on board confused and angry and destroying things and i love him he's a big huggable doof dope. <laughs>
0: dope. i With a gross power level yeah <laughs> i do love that you guys include like the stats and like the power levels and everything for the the characters and for the or for the oh yeah it's really great
2: that's so much fun we need to go back to that of like having you know baseball card stats uh but they're just like the the twist that we put on it is that they're all relative and meaningless yeah like power level gross
1: which you know, oh. if it's, uh, if uh, it may be too early to, I uh, may be spoiling something, but uh, the Kickstarter is gonna include trading cards.
2: That's true. Uh, we are gonna okay. have trading cards if you if you guys are are, are fans of that is... kind of retro stuff, trading cards, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if I can plug one more thing really quickly uh, mm-hmm. related to the Kickstarter, uh, if you guys are listening to this before it launches on the thirteenth. Uh hopefully a link will be included where you can go and uh follow the pre-launch page. Just click a button that says notify me on launch. That helps us so much, like Mm -hmm. more than you know. Uh really, really helps generate enthusiasm, helps give the Kickstarter the idea that, oh, maybe we should like, you know, feature this thing.
0: Uh Mm
2: -hmm. and could ultimately like be the difference between us uh, you know, being noticed and or or struggling for relevance. So uh, if you're excited about the project, please hit that notify me on launch button.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and we look forward to, like we said, Mechaton number two and future projects. I know you you hinted at some of the future projects that you guys are working on. And yes. when you guys get around to doing those, we'll have you back on to talk about those because they feel like they fit right into our aesthetic here on the podcast too. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's possible. We have we have five Kickstarters planned for 2022, uh, three of which are Mechaton, issues of Mechaton, two of which... We'll reveal in a on a later date. Nice.
0: Nice. Well, I really enjoyed having this conversation with you guys. I really enjoyed talking to you guys about a comic book that, that was a lot of fun to read. And I'm so happy that you guys came on as guests. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for having us. We loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and for listeners, if this is your first time checking out Kaiju Weekly, this isn't a normal episode. Normally we do our main episodes, but this is a bonus episode. Uh, Like I said, it's kind of a sequel to the bonus episode we did a couple of weeks ago. uh, Just kind of interviewing people in the giant monster mech, monster sci-fi community and creators and getting kind of their... uh, Talking about their creations and stuff. We always want to highlight creators in the community and so that's what this is uh but you can check out the, uh, the main episodes in our feed we're going to be covering movie reviews and and kaiju news and all kinds of stuff uh if you want to follow us you can follow us on social media at kaiju weekly if you want to check out kaiju ramen magazine you can ca- check out kaiju uh we changed our domain name recently but if you follow kaiju it goes to the same source so either one of those domains uh either one of those websites it goes to the same place uh and yeah and and follow uh everything that kaiju weekly is doing like i said on social media and we will be back in our next episode to talk about all of the news and everything that's been happening because we have so much fantastic kaiju content coming up in 2022 mechaton is included in all of that (laughs) so we're looking forward to it and so until next time we're going to say uh help control this is this is my sign off just so you guys are aware uh help help control the giant roach population have your mech gloves spayed or neutered